What up, nerds? Nerds rope or nerds in the box? Nerds rope. Ooh. The, the, Scandalous. The crunch and the chew at the same time. I just like um, when you... I, I like when you like eat nerds and you leave them in your mouth for like a little too long, and then you make your like mouth really numb. That second batch of nerds that you like put in your mouth, yeah. you know, you always do like two gulps for oh, like yeah. a box of nerds. Yeah, that second one mm-hmm. after the first one where it's like all sour. Yeah, feels great. It feels real <laughs> sweet because your mouth is kind of numb from the sourness. You're like, <laughs> and also, yeah, you have like the crystal sugar chunks <laughs> in your mouth, so now everything's yeah. sweet and wonderful. Yeah. Anyway, guys, try it. Try that out, folks. If you didn't know. Let us know what you think of uh, Nerd's Rope hanging out in your mouth for too long. (laughs) (laughs) Or just the nerd's part. Sorry. Just shove a rope in your mouth. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. (laughs) We are the only ones who get to talk. (laughs) No one else is talking with us tonight. And if they are, I'm going to cut them out. Next time we bring a guest on, which, by the way, I have to say... Word up to Queen Alyssa. Oh yes, Alyssa. fucking amazing, wonderful, always a joy. Like, it's like I'm. I'm just gonna say she has like the best voice for podcasting. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet of you to say about. You my said best thank friend. you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna be like, you took that compliment very well for her. Oh, she's not gonna take it. I'm gonna take it. <laughs> She'd be all shy about it. She would. She's like, no, my voice is not that great. No, like, yes, perfect. it is. I love her voice. I've always loved her voice. It's so distinct. It is. Like, it's, you know, it's very soothing and very, uh, like, yeah. you keep a steady pace. Yeah. I don't know. She's got that nice, like, little rasp at the backside of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, our voices sound so similar. That they do. Like, yeah. Hey, I'm Nisa. Hi, I'm Jocelyn. <sighs> hey, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, the uh, this is I minored in art history. It is. I minored in art history. I didn't. But it's okay. But it's okay because I, I went to art school. She did. I did do that. So. She did do that. And I feel like along the way, as our as we journey, mm-hmm. I got a healthy dose of art history. Yeah. Like, absolutely. I had to have. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I feel like sometimes uh, you might know more things about art history than me i think we study different areas yes that's why i feel like you know more than i do well we just come from different (laughs) like you i think you studied the overall yes like i don't know a lot of techniques of art technique technique i don't i don't know like you know when you did your um like purview into photographer mm-hmm. uh last week like that mm-hmm. that's news to me because i've never studied anything like that before oh, really yeah i don't know any sort of photography stuff i don't know anything oh. about like lithographs and linographs and like all the stuff we're talking about okay one time and one time at bank camp yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i don't know anything about that either uh, me neither because i was in justin course. what happens at band camp what? i'm curious <laughs> Well, uh, it's very incestual because all the band kids, you know, you have classes with the band kids all the time and then you get like these little relationships and then you get these love triangles and it's just everybody's dating everybody. It's kind of like working in restaurants. I only play the triangle. I don't <laughs> want a love triangle. I was Can never... I be in band? You can. You just have to learn to play an instrument. Ting. No? <laughs> Ring-a-ding-ding. Yeah, I'll do the bells. 
Yeah. I've done those before. <laughs> for Catholic choir. <laughs> oh, come I was on. in choir. Yeah. I can see that. As a, one of my friends, uh, Turd, yeah. she always makes fun of me when I sing because she's always like, why do you sing like you're from a fucking choir? And I was like, because I am. And I'm like, no, I, I, I can't stop. She can't stop singing like that. I'm not going to sing. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. Not happening, folks. Sorry. I mean, you got to pay for that. I have already sang through this podcast <laughs> a lot. Just Just little snippets here and there. That's all. I'm not doing it this time. That's all right. Mm-mm. I'm it's, not going to service it's you. all right. No fan service here. <laughs> uh, so when we were coming back from Universal last night, Kyle and Beanley were sleeping in the back seat, and then Adam was driving, and I'm obviously co-pilot. Um, and we were... <laughs> you know that's a gay term, right? What? <laughs> no. <laughs> that's... When you Damn said it. that, I don't think you realize that. When you did that, and I was like... Yes, I'm gay. Were you sitting in the passenger seat? Is yes. That, don't say you're a co-pilot. <laughs> <laughs> technically are, but also... No. <laughs> okay? Okay. <laughs> Just I was riding shotgun. <laughs> that was not a gay term, but in my head I made it one. <laughs> it's gay now, bitch. Gay. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Adam has very varied taste in music, so it's, like, from, like, show tunes and, like, musicals to, <laughs> like, EDM and then, like, rock and then there's, like, Disney songs yes. and, like, s some goth music here and there occasionally. Ugh. Like Screamo? No, like, um, like, like melodic kind of. Like, uh, oh, like Evanescence? Yeah. Ooh, Similar yeah. to that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Lacuna Coil, I think, is one of the ones that he's got some of their music. Zero idea. They're kind of similar sort of thing. Mm. Uh, anyway. So we were listening to, uh, you know, the, the Goofy movie? Mm -hmm. Where they go to the Powerline concert and he sings Eye to Eye? Nope. You don't know that one? I had never seen the Goofy movie. Oh my god. Oh, we gotta watch it. It's for the pod. <laughs> I, uh, there's many things I'd be willing to do for the pod. And that's not one of them. So, I don't like Goofy. I don't either. I just think he's weird. He is. It's kind of, like, really annoying to me. Yeah. That's why I didn't, I didn't want to watch the Goofy movie, because I was like, I don't, I just, I just know I'm not going to be into it. Gorge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, we were singing that Powerline song. Um, it's it doesn't have the same effect if you've never seen the film. So I'm sorry, I I really want to be in on the joke, but it's not a joke. I'm serious. Oh no, I I want to be <laughs> in on the story. I want to know, but I can't know. Anyway, I guess I'll never know. I guess you'll never know. Gorsh. <laughs> I just fucking hate it. <laughs> There's something about Goofy reminds me of like a pedophile. Like a stereotypical yeah. pedophile. No, I get that. That I'm just like, I don't want to. I I get that. I get. I understand what you're saying. He's like a creepy uncle. Yeah. I don't really have one that's specific to him, but like, yeah. he seems like he would be. Yeah. Like my creepy uncle or something. Right. Yeah. I, I just that. don't want him like mm -hmm. hanging out with me too much. 
Don't hang out with Uncle Goofy. Yikes. She's got such a serious look on her face, folks. Guys, we're gonna, we're gonna stop talking about this. I'm just imagining <laughs> Disney characters being pedophiles. Oh no! There's nothing <laughs> I wouldn't be serious about. <laughs> oh god. Oh boy. All right. Anyway. Anyway, should we moving on from that trauma? <laughs> I think we're talking too much up on the front for for Beanley and Lauren. Lauren. <laughs> I don't even know if Beanley listened to anything after that. Sorry, folks. Uh, I already really. scolded Beanley in an episode. You so. did, yeah. I'll scold him again, though. <laughs> I think I won't. Will. He's going to join us one of these days. I'm going to give him a lashing. Tongue lashing. I don't he'll like it. Maybe I'll co-pilot him. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know what it means yet. <laughs> I don't even think that's how you use it. Should we look this up? <laughs> co-pilot. Gay. <sighs> question mark co-pilot gay question <laughs> did you mean co-pilot key no let's see co-pilot urban Dictionary. maybe this is not a gay term and maybe, maybe i'm wrong maybe you're fucking wrong <laughs> uh co-pilot is a buddy who you would take with you on the prowl for chicks according to urban dictionary generally a substitute for a wingman when one is not available uh 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 oh uh okay See, so I'm a, a variant of the wingman. Only in this case, the two guys are looking to hook up with the same woman, or for a male, oh. male, female threesome. Oh. The man can either be straight and not interact with each other during the threesome, or it can be a bisexual event in which all three are having sex together. The idea is that instead of guy two being the wingman of guy one, both guys take turns working in the same cockpit. Oh, gross. An obvious euphemism for how guys would be taking turns penetrating the same, you know. That's what I think I meant by cup Shake pilot. my damn head. I mean, that, I guess that is kind of gay. <laughs> Co-pilots, predominantly Spanish and German people that often hang out with each other. Oh, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> what? what? Why? Oh, co-pilot, when one gay man jacks off another gay man, usually misconceived as another man's best friend. Mm. Wow, my co-pilot helped me, helped me so much last night. I don't know if any... I've, I don't like any of these Urban Dictionary definitions, except for uh, the first one. I know that it was a gay term that was told to me by um, someone in college. Uh. I don't stake that to be the pinnacle of uh, terminology in yeah. pop culture. Right, yeah. But this person, I shit you not, was literally the gayest man I've ever met in my life. Really? That's pretty fucking gay. It was... He was so gay. He was gay to the point where you could, like, see him walking down the street, like, like 300, 400 feet away. And just the way he walked, you'd be like, fucking gay, man. That's a gay man. <laughs> and he wanted, like, every single person in his life to know he was gay. He was, he would literally he look at a woman. Gay. And he would, you know how, like, super over-the-top men, like, yeah. sometimes will give women eyes all the time? Yeah. Like, get up all, all up in their business. Yeah. And then they'll just be like... Oh my god, but I'm gay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hate that. It's it's like uh, that guy. But like I think he calmed down like our second year and he was 
he was chiller, but he would always come up to me and he would hug me and like hang on me. And I'd be like, dude, like, he's like, I'm going to break you down. I'm going to wear you down. And I was like, you know what? I will never appreciate like a person coming up to me and like, you know, physically assaulting me in any sort of way. I just don't like it. No. I don't like to be touched by people I am not close with. Right. Like if I choose you as my one person, Mm -hmm. you can touch me all day long. Yeah. But like. Other than that, get the fuck off. No, it's a precious card. I will not give it out to just anyone. This is precious cargo here. I was not the girl in high school who was going to be giving free hugs to all the boys and all the people in the land. That was not me. Yeah. So this man took advantage of me in a very sacred way. But yeah, no, that was the guy who told me uh, co-pilot was a gay term. Yeah. I mean, I'm inclined to believe someone that gay. That's what I thought. (laughs) We've both been duped. Duped, I say. You're in the same boat as me now. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, he did give me a very good suggestion on how to tuck in my shirt, though, one time. So really? I was really grateful for that. Did he tell you to tuck it in and then pull it back out some? No, it was not a French tuck. He just, like, I, I, I wear this, like, one shirt all the time, but it was, like, kind of, like, wrinkly, fluffy in the front. Mm-hmm. I didn't really like that part. So he was yeah. like, oh, you always, like, wear these high-waisted shorts. He's like, just tuck this in a little bit, have it hang out the back. And I was like, genius. Oh, yeah, I do like that look on you. It looked a lot better. Yeah. Like, really, like, lengthened my legs. Yeah. I looked extra hot. I, yeah. I was like, damn, this man. And I had, it never occurred to me to style my clothes that way. Sometimes you just need an outside perspective. Sometimes you just need a gay man. Yes. (laughs) Like, I appreciated him for who he was. I did not appreciate him choosing me as an outlet for his, uh, I guess rainbows, aggressive hugging. <laughs> don't spread your rainbows on me. I don't want them. Gross. I'm gay enough. I'm gay. <laughs> and you know what's like hilarious too is that he he would like do it in a way where it was like, oh, I'm gonna make you like not be a homophobe anymore. And I'm like, bitch, Bloody. jokes on you. I yeah, am gay. Like what? And I was pretty fucking gay. Like that was my short hair. I was gonna say that was when you had real short hair. Yeah, that was me. Like. Diking it up, baby. I literally dated a male body type of me. Like, I dated myself. The man that I dated was five foot four and was like, I grew taller than him over the course of our relationship. Pinnacle. (laughs) And like, this was the kid who, like, like, on campus, people would see me and him, like, on campus separately before we ever met. And they'd be like, Matt. I'd be like, what the fuck? Not Matt. <laughs> and they'd be like, oh, it's my, my bad. Sorry. Like, And then same thing with him. They'd be like, Nisa, Nisa. And he'd be like, what the fuck do you want? And like, everyone would be like, oh, shit, my bad, dude. My bad. Like, And then we met. <laughs> and I was like, Matt? And he's like, Nisa? <laughs> and that's how same hat. we started fucking. <laughs> Just get confused for each other on campus. I took his virginity. Oh, good for you. Yeah, and then I made a joke about it before I took his virginity that I took his virginity, but I didn't. Uh, got him. Everyone was very like, did that really happen? I was like, no. Then when it actually happened, everyone didn't know when it was yeah. that it happened. They didn't know it was for real. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we're 16 minutes in. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> You're getting an earful from Beanley. <laughs> Fuck you, Beanley. <laughs> I'll talk about what the fuck I want to talk about. This <laughs> our fucking podcast. We built it so we could talk. That's right. This isn't really for you guys that are listening. It's more for us to just dick around for a couple hours every it was, week. 
it was always that like yeah. i don't know why people are like oh my god i wanted it to be like don't tell me <laughs> that there should have been structure there was never any structure <laughs> we'd never planned on having this structured at all this is kind of a rough outline what we're gonna do and that's it we were like this is the price we'd be willing to pay for equipment cool buy it boom done yep that's pretty much we spent one maybe afternoon figuring out anything about the podcast and it was mostly just like yeah. spitball and names and then that's it yeah we had nisa made chicken and pesto mm -hmm. and noodles and uh we had the uh strong bows mm -hmm. and you remember then, so much i don't remember any I, of these details because oh, i was having a great time <laughs> <laughs> We had pesto them. sauce. Huh? Oh, it was good. It was delicious. Nisa is a really good cook, you guys. Yeah. Very it could have been saucier. It could have. More butter. But it was still tasty. I enjoyed it very much. I am going to, like, tweak that recipe a little bit. Yeah. I'm trying. Try and mix it up. Make it better. Me like you that. Yeah, but Irish butter. Irish butter. That was a terrible... I don't... Was that a British person? I don't know. Mocking an Irish accent? <laughs> yeah, probably. Have you ever had Irish butter, by the way? Yeah, Alyssa always buys it. Delicious. Yeah. I just, I like my butter with salt in it. It does have salt. Oh, maybe she just buys the unsalted kind, though. <laughs> <laughs> when we went to. So you shit on a version that wasn't even the I real don't version. know. It says Kerrygold on the outside. It is Kerrygold. So I just I don't know. It's like sweeter than normal butter. Maybe that's what you're thinking of. It's not like salty. No, she definitely buys the unsalted kind. Yeah, I just assumed that it came unsalted because, uh, like every time I talk to somebody that's like a good cooker or a baker or whatever, they're like, oh, unsalted butter only. I mean, if you're baking with it, yes. Yeah, but I if guess. you're like making food i just salted butter all the way baby guys if you use unsalted butter just buy fucking canola oil <laughs> what is the fucking point anymore the dairy is that what you want in it you want the creamy the creamy you, you want your creaminess want your creamy. put like, some fucking sour cream in it sour well sour cream you could even use like regular cream yeah if true. you're looking for creaminess like there's no point in using unsalted butter. I don't know. Thank you. I agree. Baking is baking is a totally different animal. Um, wouldn't presume to know anything about baking because I'm not a good baker. Um, I can make a pie, but I think pies are like kind of like bake, kind of like cooking. I don't know. A little bit, yeah. Like less measuring to the T, I guess. For yeah, for pies. I don't ever measure very accurately when I make things, so. I just kind of like, uh, that looks like it's about a cup, sure. That's what I do for cooking, and it always <laughs> comes out really good, because yeah. I'm always... Well, I also think cooking is so much like, you're just going to watch the ingredients. Yeah, well, you just got to you gotta know your flavor limits and what you like. and Yeah. Which flavors go together, which I've learned from watching, like, Chopped and Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives and that kind of shit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't watch a whole... I mean, I got into Gordon Ramsay's... Um, Kitchen yeah. Nightmares. Yeah. Which I was like, oh, like, when they clean it up, just so satisfying. But oh, I feel yeah. like that's the only one that I was really like, mm. and then all of the David Chang documentaries. Interesting. That, like, he just goes on a self-discovery about food. Mm -hmm. And 
I think that's very exciting. I don't know. I find that more exciting than like watching yeah. Anthony Bourdain, like oh fuck Anthony Bourdain, rip <laughs> Anthony like rip, Bourdain. but like fuck you. <laughs> rest in piss. I guess. Yeah, rest in piss. Uh, I do like actually uh, Andrew Zimmern when he does like he mm. he goes to all these places and tries their like cultural food things. Yeah, I've seen I think a couple of episodes of that. Yeah. What's that on? This is on not on Netflix, is it? Uh, I don't know. No, it's not on Netflix. I think it was probably on like the Food Network and like Discovery Channel or something. I think shit. I've seen it at my grandma's house, so that would make sense. Yeah. You know what? One show though that pisses me off to no end and it's so annoying. That's a cooking show. Somebody feed Phil. That sounds horrible. I would never watch that. It's a Netflix series that this man who is the most annoying man i have ever heard in my life <laughs> forces his family to be on camera with him sometimes oh. and like eat at these like crazy nice like restaurants oh. and he like talks about the food but he's so like overly hype about his food that he's just like obnoxious and i kind of hate oh, him Oh yeah i don't like that i like you know that's why i like guy fieri because oh god i hate that guy i just uh, I love him. <laughs> he just cracks me up. But he genuinely, like, enjoys food so much. I know. And he eats, when he eats something, like, off the griddle. Yes. That's always, like, my favorite when he just, like, the chef will, like, cook it in front of him or whatever. Yeah. And he'll be like, oh, and, like, just, yes. <laughs> like, man paws the food. Yes. And just shoves it in his, like, fucking fat face. Yes. And I'm like, Guy Fury, use a fucking fork. Half the time. I know I love that about him because he that's just how I literally do it. his hands are huge. These He's are the forks sauce- that God gave you, Nisa. <laughs> he has sausage fingers. He does. Fingers. <laughs> and he just he'll eat like Kobe beef with his fucking oh fingers. And I'm like, stop doing that. That's <laughs> the way God intended. Use a fucking spoon. It's Kobe beef. Like you could use any utensil. Anyways. These hands. <laughs> you want to catch these you hands, You want to catch these hands. Because I'm saying, that's how you catch these hands. Uh, uh, all right. Jesus. We should probably tell okay. stories. <laughs> and the way he eats... Fe- anyway. Vegetables? Like, come on, guys. Vegetables? No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't really, like, eat a lot of vegetables. But when he does, he just... Like, there, he just slurps them. I don't get it. We called vacuum folk. We just suck up our food. He's a food critic. He's a <laughs> chef. He is. You have to chew your food. You don't have to, to chew it to taste it. Are you kidding me? I <laughs> I chew three times. I swallow. I don't have any words. I can't. All right. <laughs> Just, just, just pull it back. Okay. Just pull it back. Snap it back. Got it. I gotta. I gotta. Okay. Rewind my brain from having these images. <laughs> I gotta stop thinking about do how wanna, mad I am. Do you want to read your story? <laughs> you know what? I I fucking. Or do you want me to read mine? I don't know. Do you want to read yours? I can read my <laughs> my Wikipedia summary. I'm gonna read mine because it's gonna make me mad. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to throw myself off the interstate next time. Jocelyn, just pick a night and just... I did this on Monday. I I did pick a night. 
silence. <laughs> no words. I'm zero. It's okay. It is okay. I'm a mess. I'm sorry. There's just gotta be some structure. I know. I didn't even send out my Etsy orders on time this past week. <gasps> That's even worse. You gotta do that. I know. Those people pay money. I know. Oh, speaking of Etsy orders, though, I got, um, actually, we'll show you. Oh, I got, I think I have presents. Yay. I hope I do. No, Fuck, I don't. <laughs> damn it! It was um, I ordered stickers from Etsy. I ordered the Bernie in a chair with mittens. Oh, cute stickers! And I ordered a magnet. Nice. So they came out really good. I just want to show you, but mm, yeah, adorable. I left my home, unfortunately. Something I'm allergic to something. Oh, I know this probably guy. me. <laughs> I've never had a problem before. This is episode eleven. I mean, well, I did. Um, Boom gave me some like gear spray, and I sprayed it on my flip flops earlier. Maybe it's that. Uh, it could be. It's got like essential oils in it, but hmm. I don't know. I'm allergic to like any sort of like concentrated hay or mm. um mm. like raspberries or. I don't have any of that in here. I'm not like super allergic, but I do get like, yeah. you know, all fucky. Do you want some some allergy medicine? I like a little bit of a little mm -hmm. bit of nasal spray. I got some. Nah. Okay. I'm gonna suffer. Okay. I'm literally just. This is what I live for. You're just suffering tonight. Sorry, Joss. I'm a human being. Yeah. I don't have a choice. That's true. This is. I'm putting this. I was put in this flesh bag. <laughs> I see out of these ohos every single second. <laughs> And I th sometimes I walk down the street, and I just know that I'm a walking thing of consciousness. Yeah. That's one day going to end. Yeah, that's true. And then I look at everyone else around me, and I'm like, your days are numbered. <laughs> I don't know why I think like that. <laughs> I do it all the time. That's called realism, baby. Well, yeah. <laughs> anyway, talking about surrealism. Ooh. <laughs> Good transition. I'm doing Renee Magritte. <laughs> Renee Magritte. <laughs> yeah. So he's a surrealist. But born November 21st, 1898 in Le Belgium, to a wealthy family. He actually had a really tragic life. Damn. Like early life because his mother died when he was 14. She was drowned in the river, river Sambra. Um, and it is concluded that he, she committed suicide, oh, rough. um, which at the time brought his family a lot of, uh, public shame because, uh, right, yeah. having anybody like commit suicide was like a bad deal. Plus she decided to throw herself in a public river. That doesn't help things. Mm, no. Then somebody finds the body right away. He found the body. Yeah. Somebody finds the body right away. That's even worse. <laughs> Yeah, especially when your child finding, does. Finding your own mother, that's terrible. It was bad. I should not have laughed at that. He, um, it later came out that this was one of many suicide attempts that the mother had tried. And oh. because of this, her father, the father, his father, had locked her in her bedroom. Damn, that girl needed therapy. They didn't have therapy. It was the early 1900s. I know. So <laughs> she escaped. Escapade. Escapade. She escapade out that door. And then she went missing for several days. And then that was when she was found drowned. 
She said, bye forever. Yeah. So there's like a, so it's actually like not for sure that he was there, mm-hmm. but it's speculated that he was there because there's a lot of like, you know, themes in his artwork that people are like, mm, that boy's been traumatized. Something about it. Like he puts a lot of cloths over faces. Mm. So people are thinking like, maybe there was like cloth on her face or like he saw her being like carted away with like cloth on her face, mm, you know, yeah. something like that. Whatever. them dead eyes. So he's 14 when that happened. Boohoo. Mother dead. Um, then he was 18 and he left to study at the Academie de Buat, mm. which I don't know, Buch, Buch Art mm. in Brussels. Mm. And he left uh, quickly when he realized that art school is a waste of time. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> which, my guy, you're my hero. <laughs> then he joined the military. Oh, Not my hero. No. I don't like the military. Uh, but he left in 1921. Um, in 1922, he married a woman named Georgette Berger that he had known since his childhood. Funny enough, she was only two years younger than him, mm. which was like, that's crazy. Yeah. He met her when she, he was 17 and she was 15. So they like knew each other for a while. And because he had a wifey, he was like, I got to go support myself. And he took like small commissions to make sure he could support the fam. Mm. Yeah, him and Georgette. Good old Georgette. Georgette. During the early part of their marriage, Georgette was Magritte's muse. Um, and everyone knew that they had like a very respectable, loving relationship. Oh, that's good. It's cute. That's so cute. We <laughs> love that. We love that. To bet it never lasts. <laughs> yeah. So through self-discovery, he stumbles into surrealism through sh- side projects and experimentation, which where he previously subscribed to cubism in his early works, like kind of like Picasso E mm-hmm. really fucking glad he did not go down that hole because I would have been like, mm. I know he probably would have faded out of obscurity. Yeah. Obscurity. 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 He would have been, he would have been obscurified. <gasps> Obscura. Obfuscated. Is that the word? Is that a word? Obfuscated. Obfuscated. <laughs> My computer's gonna take off again. Uh, oh, your, your computer about to fly. So he naturally began to go deeper and deeper into this art style of surrealism without really knowing what he was creating because at the time he had been introduced to surrealists, so he was like unsure what he was trying to do. It is obfuscate, by the way. Obfuscate? Yeah. Obfuscate. <laughs> Ooh. Just kidding. <laughs> obfuscate, whatever. But that's not what. Yeah. He wouldn't have become obfuscate. He would have been obfuscated. He would not have been unclear. <laughs> he would have been obscure. Obscure, he would have been... He would have been... Obsolete. <laughs> Obtuse? Uh-huh. Green moose cloud juice. Giant snake, birthday cake, lover's <laughs> rose, chocolate shake. Wish Wow, that's a good tuba sound. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So in 1927, he had his first one-man show, which took place at Galerie de la Galerie la Centura in Brussels, which sounds like a steamy club with centaurs. That's what I wrote. <laughs> I don't remember writing this because it was on Monday, and it's Thursday. It does, it does sound like a... <laughs> 
Can I read La Centura? La Centura. I just picture like centaurs, like strippers. (laughs) Mm. I love my brain. (laughs) I don't know why. That's what I literally wrote in. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I, I can't trust myself to come up with jokes on the spot. I have to write them while I'm writing I mean, no, story. that makes sense. <laughs> As if I don't put in enough quips, I helped my, my, we, my more past quips, self more quips. was like, you're not going to remember this. <laughs> Here you go. I do that too, though. When but I like, actually have my notes ready ahead of time, I write shit in like that. And then I'm like, oh, this was way funnier when I wrote it down than it is now. But, yeah, so, like, I wrote that in uh, with the sentence. Like, I didn't yeah. put, like, a little note yeah. or, like, a little parenthesis. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Damn it. You got me, past Nisa. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> yeah, clever and it works. <laughs> oh, oh, my Christ. fucking God. Uh, for the show, he had a very strong group of work since he was very prolific and he produced about a piece a day. Damn, bitch. But his work was absolutely shit on by the Belgian art community and Magritte had to run away to Paris out of shame. <laughs> Get fucked. Seven. 1927 has that showing and then everyone's like, fuck you, your art's awful. And he's like, No. <laughs> So, in Paris, he starts studying the findings of psychologist Sigmund Freud just to, like, help self-therapize himself back to normal. Um, And he discovered, as well, the growing surrealist movement, which sought to break ties with traditionalist and historical painting groups. So, all your favorite, like, historical Mm -hmm. paintings, like, you know, those people trying to document shit. Mm -hmm. Like, he was, like, part of that group was, like, get fucked. He was, like, no, bitch. We have too much of this something new yeah i didn't get enough shame last time so i want more (laughs) glutton for punishment as it were apparently like he really was like that was not like people did not respect him in the art community for a very long time Uh, and he was still like just trucking along he became friends with andre brent breton the father of surrealism and Mm -hmm. he began to fully embrace the title of being a surrealist he also became friends with Jocelyn's favorite, Salvador Dali. I also oh, wrote God. that in. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured that one was a write-in. Well, okay. So, like, the Dali Museum, uh, we went, me and Lauren and Adam went when they had Midnight in Paris, the exhibition thing, um, and then they had a bunch of different, like, surrealists and stuff. Mm-hmm. And... Our favorite thing that was there was actually a Magritte painting. Wow. So, I have, I have it, I think I put it on Instagram, actually. Ooh. But it's, uh, like, boots that have toes, like, human toes. They kind of <laughs> yeah. just, like, fade into human toes, and then we've got Adam standing in front of it holding his nose like it's stinky. Oh, my God. <laughs> because that's what we do. We're adults. <laughs> I think that's one like called I I'm maybe I'm wrong. Hardworking man, I think, maybe. Or something like that. Uh you could be right, I don't know. Um, we just go make fun of the art. <laughs> I gotta put that on the gram. Oh yeah. I'm looking for it right now, actually. Okay, I'm gonna continue. So we have Salvador Dali, we've got Joan Miro, we've got Paul Elord, 
and Jean Arp. Oh, here it is. Oh, yep. <laughs> yeah. Those are some toe boots. Yep. Some, some feet toes. feet boots. Foot boot. Um, and then he eventually moved back to Brussels in 1930, so only three years later. Damn. After he realized he wouldn't be able to make it in Paris. He was like, oh, yeah, it's not going to work. Oh, sorry. He, he's like, too bad I just suck too hard at this. Like, <laughs> that's not, I'm not going to be able to do this. Also, Magritte joined the Communist Party with his brother Paul in 1932. What? But he would leave and then he would rejoin several times over his life. Oh, so he had okay. some conflictions about it. But his brother Paul was like, yeah, communism. Yeah. And Magritte was like, no, no. I don't know what I want. <laughs> in the world of Magritte's surrealist works, what is concealed says more to the viewer than what is on display. He used hoods and cloths to conceal his subjects, and he often used subtly erotic uh, scenes in his works as well. Oh, that's because he was hanging out with Dolly and reading Freud. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was also being a bad boy. Um, <clears throat> yes. Uh, this speculated to allude to the troubled state of his marriage, which was disrupted when Magritte carried on an affair with a young performance artist named Sheila Legg in 1936. Legg? Legg. L-E-G-G-E. Legge? Oh. Legge? No, I'm just thinking performance artist Legg. Like, that's too on the nose. She was she was just in the kickstand. But she had a reason to be there. She was the entire kickstand. <laughs> she was obviously a can-can girl. Yeah. From what we know. From this little sentence we've read. She's a can-can girl. We know her whole life story. Why else would McGree pick her up? Sheila Leg? She's leg. She's just one giant leg. That's what he liked about her. She was surreal. <laughs> it was like that fucking, uh, that lamp from A Christmas Story or whatever the hell it is. Oh, the leg lamp? The leg lamp. That's what I'm picturing in my head. She's just a leg, but she has a woman's face on top? <laughs> yeah. And a bob? <laughs> yes. And also somehow pantyhose from, like, the 1900s? Yes. <laughs> from the 1930s, actually. <laughs> Oh, God. All right. <laughs> so, in order to conduct the affair without interruption, he arranged for his friend, Paul, Paul Colinet, to distract his wife, which ended up backfiring <laughs> hardcore, hardcore because Paul and Georgette started fucking. That's what you get. That's, Fuck you, Renee. That's how that went down. So... This is in 1936. They separated for about four years because of this whole debacle. Wow. Yeah. And they ended up getting back together just in time for the occupation of Brussels in, oh, that's uh, rough. with World War II. So living through the occupation of Belgium during uh, World War II, Magritte lost his friendship with Andre Benton. Um, Benton. Because he, uh, I guess, wanted him to leave, and he did not do that. So um, he began making master copies of famous paintings to support himself through the war. And after the war, this business was taken over by his brother, Paul. Mm. So he still kept making master copies, I guess, to make money. And during this time, he also stopped painting his signature surrealist style and began instead to paint a colorful painterly style um, for a short period, likely as a response to the isolation he felt. Um, Magritte rarely left Brussels after the war and returned to his surrealist style, um, continuing to revisit various subjects over and over, such as painting within a painting, 
Or floating rocks. Floating rocks? He loved floating rocks. Interesting. Who wouldn't? He was... Give me some rocks. Give it to me. (laughs) (laughs) So rocky. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He was known for having a strange and ironic sense of humor, which he displayed in his paintings. As an example, there is a series of pipe paintings, which are really, really famous now, where he created a paradoxical world. Um, the most famous out of the series is the first one, which is just uh, a single pipe and the words, this is not a pipe in French. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you go through the series, it explains more about this like paradoxical mm-hmm. world that R- Rene McGree created. But the one that says this is not a pipe is the most famous. Um, he had several retrospectives, one at the Palace des Beaux Arts in Brussels in 1954 and in 1960 at the Museum of Contemporary Arts in Dallas, the Fine Arts Museum of Houston. In 1965, his retrospective was being held at the MoMA, and that's when he traveled to the U.S. for the first time, but also his last time. He was a really old dude mm. um, at this time in 1965, since he was born, you know, what, 19... 19- 1898, yeah. He old. He old. For that time, he was. Um, And then after his trip in the U.S., he decides to go all the way to Israel for some reason. Just, you know, just take a pilgrimage, whatever. You know, when you gotta go, you gotta go. You gotta go. You gotta go check them out. the Dead Sea, etc. (laughs) I'm sure that was his motivation. (laughs) He's like, this is not the Dead Sea. This this is the Live Sea. (laughs) Because I am alive. <laughs> that actually is the opening of a documentary that was so stupid. And oh I had my to, god! It was like it's like the Dead Sea, but what you see here is actually one of the seas that contains the most life. And then when they Gavol. had the life, it was a zoom in. Gavol. It was the worst documentary it's I think I've ever seen. bad. It was bad. I was like, that's too obvious. Stop <laughs> doing that. <laughs> Shortly after the opening of a major retrospective at the museum, Boys... Oh, these museum names just fucking get me. Boyman's Van Bugenen. Magritte died on August 15th, 1967. His legacy as an angsty art school reject cool kid symbol still lives, which is kind of sad. But I like to remember him as that one artist that my art teacher in high school was obsessed with and a goofy dad joke artist who may or may not have been a communist. (laughs) Amazing. Fabulous story, Nisa. Thank you. That was wonderful. Was he a communist? We'll never know. We will never know. He can't come tell us. But I love how he just paints a pipe and he goes, This is not not a pipe. I can just picture him painting the pipe and he goes, Oh, I'm making a nice painting of a pipe. And he goes, "Hmm, This isn't really that surrealist, though. And he goes, This is not a pipe. (laughs) Could you imagine, though? Yeah. Like, he just giggles. I can make it whatever I want it to be. <laughs> I'm a surrealist. I can do whatever I want. There's no rules. What are rules? Uh, but like, the man just couldn't honestly paint a good pipe without being like, let's make it something else. He was like, oh man, this sucks. I gotta make sure everybody knows that I know it's not actually a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> we know there's gonna be a problem if I let it be a pipe. I th- it's not strange enough. Imagine like, like all the surrealists gather together and all of them like do their little like paintings and show each other whenever and like he just has a bunch of pipe paintings and everyone's like just why do you roast him for their pipes they're like you can't do obvious subjects you have to make it something else and he's like this is not a pipe (laughs) yeah sister it's not a pipe (laughs) 
sister now? <laughs> and like Dali's like with his little fucking mustache. Mm-hmm. Oh! <laughs> Literally just twirling his mustache like an evil cartoon villain. Did you see him in like. So you, you mentioned Night at the Museum. The Dali, like. The, the character of Dali, who was yeah. played by that one guy, that yeah. uh, one actor. Adrian Brody, I think. Yes. He actually, to me, seems like the most accurate representative oh, of yeah, Dali. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, crazy and just, like, kind of senile. I have to look that up because I'm thinking it might not actually be his name. Oh, yeah. No, it is Adrian Brody. <laughs> yeah. Ho, ho, ho. I was right. Yeah, he do have that. That like, aspect to him. Crazy eyes. Yeah. But he was, he was like always sitting in the cafe and he's like, <laughs> like doing little gestures and like yeah. being all like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Exactly. What do you think? Like, <laughs> that's how I imagine Magritte just like doesn't know how to fit in. He's like, <laughs> pipes. <laughs> Guys, hear me out. Toe shoes. <laughs> Guys, 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 wait, 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 wait. Hear me out. I'll paint a couple kissing. Okay? Paint a cloth on it. Whoa! Surreal! Guys, 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 wait, wait, wait. Beautiful painting of a man, right? Apple face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so for some reason, I always get Marcel Duchamp and Rene Magritte confused. I don't know why. Why? I don't know why. <laughs> Just Wait, who's Duchamp? Duchamp is the guy that did the fucking toilet, the urinal, whatever, and it says R. Mutt on the side of it. He was Dada. Mm. But I had to look up that stupid toilet while you were talking because I was like, I'm going to end up saying something stupid if I say this. And then I was right. It was going to yeah, be stupid like if I said it. Yeah, he's like super cubism. Dada, baby. Anyway, for some reason, I don't know why. I always get them confused. And I was thinking about the toilet while you were talking about Magritte. <laughs> I'm just that guy. Um, maybe it was because they had Dada stuff at the Dolly at the same time as we went to Midnight in Paris. I don't know. Yeah, this is like Dolly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Painting of a man, right? A man with an apple in front of his face. Apple face. Apple face. Guys, guys, hear me out. Oh, there it is. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Enormous guys, apple. Guys, 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 hear me out. Room? Big ass apple in it. <laughs> How do I make this apple terrifying? Put it in a room. It's raining, man. Hallelujah. It's raining, man. That's. Amen. Anyway, he he wasn't honestly a very good artist. Like if you like look at his paintings, like they don't really make me feel any emotions. Quite frankly, there's yeah. one there's one with like um, some kids running around in the street. Mm -hmm. I forget what that one's called. I had to write a fucking paper on it, and I don't remember. <laughs> uh, but there's anyway. That one, it was supposed to be like, oh, this is conjuring up, like, uh, fear, and it's like the children running away from something. I was like, just, what the fuck are you talking about? This is the one that I think, like, um, I kind of, like, when we were studying it in, in high school, mm -hmm. like, no joke, this was 
like shout out Mr. Elson. This was my art teacher in high school, his favorite artist. Yeah. Um, and like this painting, Time Transfixed, which is Oh yeah. Like a crazy painting of um it's a mantle. Yes. With like what looks to be a sealed up fireplace. Everything is like super crisp. Like the shadows mm-hmm. are kind of weird. Because, like, it doesn't look like they line up with exactly where they're supposed to line up. Yeah, because they don't. Yeah, like, the light source looks like it's coming from, like, the upper right. But, like, I don't know. Some of the shadows are just not not there correctly. Yeah. Like, the light source is kind of fucky. Um, but then the train is just coming out of yeah. the fireplace. Just straight the fuck out. Straight out of the wall, baby. Um, it's kind of weird. It is. Like, that one makes me, like, be like, I, I, uh, I am uncomfy. I think a lot of his stuff was done to make people uncomfortable. Uh, the, the toes coming out of the boots, it was called the Red Model in 1935. The Red Model. Mm-hmm. Bam. Don't know why. Maybe I'm thinking of a different artist. Uh, for those kids in the... It's probably in this fucking textbook. I just don't feel like getting it out from underneath the mic. I do kind of like uh, the false mirror, which is like an eyeball with clouds as the uh, iris. Yeah. Or a sky, rather. It seems like angsty shit that... Yeah, that's the kind of shit that I would do. It's like, I don't know, when you're like 15. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like this one. It's boobs on a nightgown. Ooh, we love titties. Ah, uh, damn it. Come on. I picked up a bad image of it. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Say something else. Titties. <laughs> yeah, it's literally just he drew, he put a nightgown on a hanger and then painted boobs and a vagina over it. Just in little cutouts. <laughs> Instead of just drawing a dick on it. The boobs are like cartoon, like oh, yeah. like plastic Terrible. surgery boobs. Mm-hmm. They're just super round fucking in your face tatas. I don't know how I feel about it. They're not, like, super erotic. No, they're not. They're just like, he's like, hey, 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 hey. you know what would be funny, you guys, if I painted some boobs on this? <laughs> Titties. I'm not gay. I like women. Do you think it was awkward for, like, if his wife was the muse, for yeah. his um, wife to go to any showings and be like, well, everyone's seen my vagina now? Um, you know... I guess it depends on how much of a voyeuristic personality she had. You know? Um, she was a painter. Yeah. Look at the giant, the giantess. Stunning. A giant woman. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Steven Universe. Anyway. I'm just scrolling through uh, art pieces here. Yeah. Yeah, me too. All right. But that's uh, that's Renee Magritte. That was wonderful. Oh, I hate this one. This one right here. Yeesh. Hate it. Hate the name. Hate the subject. It looks like it's just a female torso in place of a face with a bunch of hair behind it and a weird background and the neck is too long. I don't like that one. Reminds me of Pan from Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, he did a whole series of that. I don't like that. Uh, yeah. 
Like the eyeball yeah. Yeah. Don't creature? Like yeah. Don't don't love it. Personally. Not for me. Excuse me while I yawn. Anyway. Um, Damn it, so, you gave it to me. Sorry. Uh, when I saw that you were doing Magritte the other night, I was like, oh, I should do somebody that was around the same time as that. That way... Who'd it, you end up with? It seems like we're <laughs> talking to each other before we record. Uh, I mean, we fully could. We have... <laughs> we uh, have the technology. We have the technology. <laughs> we just don't. Uh, I chose Via Selman's. Mm. Who I had never heard of because she was a fucking woman. Of course. And I was like, you know what? She was a Latvian American visual artist. Mm. She did photorealistic paintings and drawings. And she actually had some pretty neat stuff. Um, she was known for her drawings of natural environments and phenomenon such as the ocean, spider webs, star fields, and rocks. Which, you know me, I love me some rocks. Floating rocks, though? I do like those. So she did... No, regular rocks? Yeah. Regular Her and Magritte rocks. together? Damn, those would be some rocks. Those would be some fucking rocks, man. Not racks. <laughs> As he is wont to do. Yeah. Rocks. <laughs> Her earlier works included pop sculptures and monochromatic representational paintings. She was based in New York City and has been the subject of over 40 solo exhibitions since... 1965, major retrospectives at the Museum of Modern Art, Whitney Museum of American Art, Los Angeles County Museum of Art, San Francisco Museum of Modern Art, Institute of Contemporary Arts, London, and the Centre Pompidou in Paris. Wow. Homegirl was born October 25th, 1938. She's a Scorpio um, and is apparently 82 years old. Oh, she's still alive. This bitch ain't dead yet. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, hello, madam. Hey. How's it going, Via? <laughs> um, yeah. Born in Riga, Latvia. She went to the John Heron School of Art. She went to UCLA. She is known for painting, graphic art, printmaking. She was part of the abstract movement, minimalist movement, photorealistic movement, photorealism, whatever. She's gotten awards from Guggenheim Fellowship, National Endowment for the Arts, American Academy of Arts and Letters, Carnegie Prize, and the MacArthur Fellowship. So, like, this bitch is decorated. It's crazy. Yeah. That's a lot of awards. I know. <laughs> like, when I was reading up on her, I was like, God damn. This girl been doing some work. You gotta do the work, 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 work. I don't, I don't know, know the rest work. of the words. I don't... That's, that's all anybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 yeah. <laughs> So, she moved with her parents and her older sister from Latvia in 1940 because of Soviet occupation. Uh, they fled to Germany, even though that was under the Nazi regime at that time. I was going to say, this just keeps getting worse and worse for them. Know, yeah. Then after the end of the war, they lived in a U.S., uh, sorry, not a U.S., United Nations supported Latvian refugee camp. In a place that I can't pronounce. Esslingen am Neckar? Baden-Württemberg, maybe. I don't know. Don't roast me. <laughs> <laughs> In 
1948, the Church World Service relocated the family to the U.S. Uh, they were briefly in New York City, and then they placed them in Indianapolis, Indiana. They were sponsored by a local Lutheran church, and her father found work as a carpenter, and her mother found work in the hospital laundry. So, okay, go through that one more time. So they were in Germany, or they were in Russia. They were in Latvia. Latvia, which was part of the Soviet Union. Yes, yeah, Soviet-occupied oh, Latvia. okay. So then they escaped to Germany, yes. sought asylum, and then somehow were sent to the U.S.? Yes. How did they get to the U.S.? From the Church World Service, I guess. Oh, so like some organization? Yeah. We're like, not here. You yeah. can't refugize yeah, here. Basically. We're going to boot you out to... Man, that would have been nice if they could do that for the Jews. Right. What a concept. Got these fucking mm, Latvians yeah. coming in. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> <coughs> Shit, I was going to say something, but my breath went in. <coughs> Jesus. <coughs> I'm good. I think. Yeah, I'm good. You sure? Yep. Okay. I was gonna, I was gonna say. Forgot. That's okay. <laughs> okay. T- totally chill. <laughs> uh, so at the time that they were in Indiana, I believe Via was ten, spoke no English. Um, because obviously, like she had been here all that long. Um, so this caused her to focus on drawing, and so her teachers actually encouraged her to continue to be creative and, like, paint and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So in 1955, she entered the John Heron School of Art in Indianapolis, where she said that for the first time in her life, she did not feel like an outsider. Like, girl, good for you. Damn, we all found our place amongst artists. Yeah, true that. I was gonna say, I fucking hated all of them. <laughs> But it's not like I didn't hate other people at that time, so. They were moderately nicer. Yeah. Because at least they were open-minded. Right. You know? Yeah. Like. I feel like, uh, yeah, I hated most of the people I had art classes with. Yeah. (laughs) Just in general. Oh, God. Like, you know what the, like, art people are some of the most judgmental fucking people. Yeah. And there was a girl, I remember, we had in uh, the first year that we had the school. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us didn't know each other and there was a lot of incoming freshmen. Mm-hmm. Um, like Ringling is very expensive. Yeah. So it's one of those schools like you come in and then by the, like with, you know, maybe like 500 kids. Mm-hmm. By the time you leave, there's like 200 right. in the graduating class because yeah. just like people run out of money. Well, I'm over exaggerating too, but, but like, yeah, you lose a lot of fucking people. Yeah. We also were getting, because they would literally accept anybody, we also got a lot of, like, mental illness, mm-hmm. like, kids. And one of the girls we got was, like, a girl who suffered from, like, definitely, like, Asperger's or autism or something. Yeah. But she had a really bad skin disorder. And, yeah. like, she also had a speech impediment. Oh, that's tough. And, like, she had sores, like, some kind of, like, eczema where, like... Or like, psoriasis, maybe. Like, pus sores, like, Ooh. grew all over her body. And, like, she was really bad at picking them because she had anxiety. Right. And they called yeah. her Cheese Girl. Oh, my God. No. Like, literally, a bunch of people started calling her Cheese Girl to the point where 
in one class, like, two boys were, like, fighting. The most obnoxious fucking boys you've ever met in your life. Well, they were literally fighting in the back of the room because they did not want to sit next to Cheese Girl. Oh, my God. People are so fucking awful. And she didn't understand. Like, she sat in the classroom, like, and she's like, I don't really care what anyone calls me. Like, like, she said it like she was, like, probably, like, 14. You know, she's, like... 17 honey. going on 18 probably oh, we're all just sitting there going like what the fuck is this high school all over again mm. yeah That's anyway rough. and I, I just looked at every single person in that class and i was like i hope you fucking burn in hell yeah like if hell is real yeah hope you burn in it bitch like those boys like later on like oh, yeah. cleaned up their act a little bit and like started like oh and I, they, they came in my social circle and i was like you know what i still fucking remember you going up to this girl uh-huh. And mortifying her. Mm-hmm. Fucking cheese girl, bro. Like, yeah. I remember cheese girl. And the one time, the one fucking time I referred to her like that, because mm-hmm. I couldn't remember my name, or yeah. her name, and I said it in the cafeteria with like a bunch of my friends, this fucking annoying fucking girl comes up who like was kind of on the outskirts of our group. Mm-hmm. And she walked up and heard me say it. And I said it under my breath because I was like, I don't I don't remember her name. I think it was like Miranda or something. And they were like, who? Who are you talking about? And I was like, ah, oh, you guys would know her. You guys would know her. Yeah. Like she had like an issue with her skin. And they were yeah. like, mm, like not ringing about, like genuinely didn't know what I was talking about. Right. So I was like, I was like, like cheese girl. Like remember her? Like I yeah. said it like that. Yeah. And this fucking girl comes up and she goes, you shouldn't fucking say that. You shouldn't fucking refer to her like that. And oh I literally God. was like, was like, I want to fucking sew your vagina up. Like, <laughs> I want you to stop. Like, don't. Oh I hate everybody. Yeah. Same. I still hate everybody. Yeah. Same. Anyway, that was my little interlude as to why. Every day I hate people. And I saw a guy go into public today, no mask on. Oh. And I literally just, I stared at him. The guy who was the attendant that was like washing carts and shit mm-hmm. just stared at him. And we all just stared at him. And like, was who's he white? No. No. Oh. No. But it doesn't matter. Not an entitlement issue that time then. I think he was like, probably. Like, just a ding dong issue. Yeah. Like, like definitely, he was definitely blue collar. Like he had very dirty uh, clothes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was like homeless per se. I don't want to say he's homeless, but like he might have been. Which either way, they can offer you masks. Right. But everyone was just like, "Dude, what are you doing? Get out!" Yeah. <laughs> he didn't get it. He tried to walk in. And the guy was like, uh, "Uh, you have to wear a mask to come into the public." And he was like, "I don't got no, I don't got no mask." Oh. Yeah, and he was like, that's okay, we've got him. And he's like, okay. And he, like, grabbed it from the guy and walked back out. And somehow he managed to, at every single point where he stopped, get in my way. So, like, I couldn't get around him. I hate that. I I fucking hate people. I hate that so much. I hate everybody. I hate them. I hate all the people. Justin, I hate them. hate them so much. Listen, if we didn't have all these fucking people, we wouldn't have corona. That's all I have to say about that. The great culling was upon us, Jocelyn. I survived. I was blessed another eternity in this flesh form. Another day. So far, I've survived. And I, it's still not over. I haven't gotten vaccinated or anything. So yeah. who the fuck knows? Who knows? 
Me neither. Anyways. Uh, okay. Where are we at here? Uh, not feeling like an outsider anymore in 1955. So, in 1961, she won a fellowship to attend a summer session at Yale University, where Ooh. she met Chuck Close, oh. photographer guy, mm-hmm. and Bryce Martin, whose name I do not recognize, uh, and they would remain close friends. It was during this time she began to study Italian monotone still life painter Giorgio Morandi and painted abstract works. In 1962, she graduated from Heron with a BFA and moved to Venice, Los Angeles. I didn't realize Venice was in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a Venice in LA. Venice, <laughs> Italy still exists. Yeah. No, I was just like, wait. Venice. I didn't realize Venice is in LA. Jocelyn, it's not. <laughs> don't assume that it is. I don't want that for you. It's, it says Venice, Los Angeles. And they yeah. in the city of Los Angeles. There is one. <laughs> there is a Venice, LA. I just... Anyway. <laughs> she moved there to pursue an MFA at the University of California in Los Angeles. Graduated in 1965. Hmm. So she did the MFA in like three years. That's pretty good. And while she was at UCLA, she enjoyed freedom, being far from her parents, <laughs> leaving to further artistic exploration, which I'm wondering sometimes, like, if I had moved out for college, if I would have done more, like, racy shit. Oh, yeah, but for sure. It's neither here nor there. It gets the blood pumping, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it does. I had to uh, pose for my my roommate. Um, yeah. Wanted to do plaster casts oh. of all different types of lady bodies. Yeah. So she got me and like rounded up a bunch of other ladies because mm-hmm. I was just a freak that way. Yeah. I decided to join. Yeah. Um, didn't realize we'd be stripping naked in a pretty cold, right. uh, concrete little warehouse area on campus. Yeah. So anybody could have wandered in and it would have been fine. Interesting. Um. And also, my future roommate's mother, who I happened to... Uh, so, <laughs> oh, okay. we painted plaster on each other. Interesting. An older woman of her late 40s, early 50s, I would say. Yeah. Um, me, my friend Meg, um, and then these three other girls that I didn't really know. Just some randos hanging out. Yeah. Putting plaster on each other's titties. We did that. Yeah. That was because I moved away. From, yeah. I was not brave. <laughs> but you know what's funny is that Meg, yeah. that was her mother yeah. who decided to join. So she was naked. Her mother was naked. And they were naked with four other ladies. And it's like. Meg's mom wanted to swing. Yeah. I mean, maybe it <laughs> helps that they weren't like related related because she was adopted so it's oh, like i don't know maybe i don't know it was a very weird experience i have to say i still remember it i'm not sure i should have ever done it <laughs> i uh i have proof honestly that's good move good ex- away from home yeah <laughs> lesson learned uh well you know too late now at least i didn't do a porno yeah good for you had opportunities i said no I believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Not surprised. I didn't actually, but like, glad you thought. Not surprised. (laughs) I think there was only one guy like through Tinder that ever asked me, he's like, can I take pictures of you? And I was like, no. 
I know what this is. No. <laughs> but nobody at art school was like, let's make porno. I mean, I know. Art people can be fucking freaky, man. They really can. I wouldn't put it past some of the people that I went to school with to be like, yeah, I've got a sex tape. <sighs> with somebody from class, like, would not put it past them. Hmm. Anyway. Anyway. She lived in Venice until 1980, painting and sculpting, and worked as an instructor at the California State College, University of California in Irvine, and the California Institute of the Arts in Valencia. Hmm. In 1981, following an invitation to teach at the Skohagen School of Painting and Sculpture, she moved permanently to New York City, wanting to be closer to the artists and art that she liked. She also returned to painting, which she had abandoned for 12 years, working during that time mainly in pencil. Mm hmm During... She, bleh, no, not during. She later, <laughs> later switched to using woodcuts and then to eraser and charcoal. And added printmaking to her repertoire. She sounds like she's an identity crisis. She just likes to do a lot of different things. That's why she got all those awards, baby. Like, to just go from, like, painting and then pencil for 12 years? Yeah. Well. Pencil, I mean, for 12 years. Yeah, mine, mainly pencil. That's fucking dedication. Yeah. She, um, yeah, I mean. Since that time, she's worked... Out of a cottage in Sag Harbor, New York, and a studio loft on Crosby Street in Soho, Manhattan, apparently. You know, I heard Soho's really hip right now. Isn't Soho hip all the time? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I've never been. Why do they call it Soho anyway? South Hoboken, I thought. Oh. But I don't know. I'll ask, I'll ask Stephen. He's from New York. Oh, he is? That's He's from right. Long Island. That's right. You did tell me that. Because it's so cute. I'm from Rhode Island. He's from Long, Long Island. Island. <laughs> Our islands are not the same. They're not. They're similar-ish. They no. get confused all the time, but they're not the same. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I did want to talk a little bit about some of her work. So... Um, Via's early work was generally photorealistic painting and pop-inspired sculpture, and it was generally representational. So she made commonplace objects like TVs, lamps, pencils, erasers, and painted monochrome reproductions of photographs. Just cause. Wow. A uh, common underlying theme in the paintings was violence or conflict. Just kidding, it's not just cause. <laughs> It was actually to make a statement. Uh, such as warplanes, handguns, and riot imagery. A retrospective of the 1964 to 1966 work was organized by the Menno Collection in cooperation with the L.A. County Museum of Art in 2010. Uh, she cited Malcolm Morley and Jasper Johns mm. as influences during this period. Wow. So. Jasper's still alive. Yeah. They're both still alive. They are. Look at that. Maybe they visit each other. I don't know. I wonder. In the 60s through the 70s, she abandoned painting, focused on working in graphite pencil, creating highly detailed photorealistic drawings based on photographs of natural elements like the ocean or moon's surface, the insides of shells, and close-ups of rocks. <laughs> Critics frequently compare her approach 
to these subjects to her contemporaries Chuck Close and Gerard Richter. And she cited Giorgio Morandi, who was a master of the pale gray still life as a major influence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the end of this period, from 1976 to 1983, she returned to sculpture in a way that incorporated her interest in photorealism. So she produced a series of bronze cast acrylic painted stones, which were replicas of individual stones she found along the Rio Grande in northern New Mexico. There are 11 examples held at the MoMA. And by 1981, sorry, she returned to painting and then after that worked with woodcuts and printing. Exploring negative space, selectively removing darkness from images, and achieving subtle control of gray tones. I am getting so much saliva in my face right now. <laughs> hmm? I'm just, like from talking, I just like saliva in my face. Ooh. You know when that happens? No. <laughs> um, I mean, I did just choke on my own saliva like yeah. 20 minutes ago. It was fine. <laughs> so I do know about saliva in the face. Face Specifically saliva. in the lungs. Yeah. Oh. It went down the wrong throat <laughs> hole. Uh, yeah. From the 1980s forward, Clemens focused on the constellations, moon, and oceans using various techniques and balance between abstract and photorealism. By 2000, she began to produce haunting and distinctive spider webs. Mm. Uh, negative images in oil or charcoal, again, to much critical acclaim, with particular note of her meticulous surface development and luminosity. She said that all these works are based on photographs, and she imparts substantial effort on the built-up surfaces of the images. In a 1996 review of her 30-year retrospective at London's Institute of Contemporary Art, the Independent cited her as American art's best-kept secret. I would agree with that, since I didn't know who she was. Until recently. I've literally never heard of her. And, like, yeah. I mean, we used to study Chuck Close. So Right, yeah. Like, like I feel like if she's being compared to Chuck Close, then... Yeah. So she's a hyper-realist. Yeah. That's what she is? Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's like, WTF, mate. Yeah, WTF, mate. WTF, mate. Righto. <laughs> so, um, I will post some of her arts on the gram but uh like if you google up her name like the the first thing is a picture of her but then it's the ocean and then there's a spider web looking thing and then it's like constellations and then the ocean and this woman made these with her hands and no just... not with her face or her tooth <laughs> i just it blows my mind because I can't do anything that's realistic, let alone hyper-realistic. <laughs> I feel like I have seen some of her stuff. Like, this fish on a plate looks real familiar for some reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's like crazy. I wonder how long one of these takes her to make. It takes quite some time. Oh, and she's pretty, she's pretty, too. She is. I mean, she's, like, older now, but... She's gonna be, she's in her 80s, you said? Yeah. But, like, I like that she literally, like, took 
a stone mm-hmm. or a rock, whatever, made a cast out of it, made an acrylic stone, and then painted it to look exactly like the stone. That's what she was doing? That's one of her things that she did. So, like, this picture, like, that's the real stone, that's the replica. That's, like, weird shit. I just, I think that's really neat. She's like, <laughs> I want fake stones. Well, just, like, the amount of attention to detail, like, to be able to do that mm-hmm. is, like, mind-boggling to me. I just think it's very impressive. I like this, like, sculpture she did of, like, the house where it's on fire, but it's also, oh, yeah. like, got clouds on it. Yeah. She made some really cool shit. And, uh, I feel like I didn't learn enough about her in school. I feel like we just kind of glossed over her, like, as a whole. And that's a bummer, because she did some neat shit. I wonder what her obsession with, like, creating rocks is. Wikipedia didn't say. (laughs) I'm like, I gotta wonder. You gotta wonder. You know what? High five for this one. Yeah. Mm. We fucking snailed it. (laughs) (laughs) She's got jokes, folks. Don't tell them that. (laughs) You don't like how I rhymed that? Guys... (laughs) Guys, I'm not funny. You know what Nick called me today before he left? What? A peanut scoundrel. I don't even know what that means. That sounds like it needs to be on a (laughs) t-shirt. I want to, you know what? I want a t-shirt. I want a black t-shirt with white writing. It just says peanut scoundrel on it. Peanut scoundrel. But I want it to be like fancy script. Oh, I could do that. I know you could do that. You got that vinyl cutter. <laughs> I know you can do that. I do. I could do that. I do. Be if I could sneak back into Big Frog and make it. Honestly, I could take you on a Saturday. We're closed on the weekends. Yeah, don't. Somehow, I don't think that would fly. <laughs> oh, you're closing the weekends for real now? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Surprise, motherfucker. Oh, um. Some fries, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm going back to Universal on uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Holy shit. Well, is that when it's, like, going to be emptier? Probably. We're hoping. That'd be fun. Yeah. So, uh... Drink all the butterbeer. Yeah. Take my magic wand with me again. Oh, which one do you got? The one that makes the magic tricks happen at Harry Potter World. I don't know. I don't remember which wand I got. I don't... So you, you can't... It's not like Hermione's wand or... No, it's not Hermione's one, because I'm not a bitch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, I mean, shit. I am a bitch, but not that kind of bitch. This is my wand. I think this is Harry's wand. No, it's not. Is it Victor Crumb's wand? No, it's not anybody's wand. It's my wand, Nisa. Mischief managed. <laughs> we got you, Leviosa. It's swish and flick. It's Leviosa, not Leviosa. It's so, like, meaty. It's yeah. so hearty. Just like me. If I had a wand, I would want it to be, like, skinny. Yeah. But, like, you know, pliable. <laughs> <laughs> what does it say about me? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember what this wand is. 
It's definitely a heartstring. <laughs> Probably. Um, 13 inches willow. <laughs> they did a whole ass thing, because I got this when Lauren was working at Universal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we did the little Ollivanders. Yeah, so we, like, that was the one that... Yeah, I got to be picked. You got to be picked to I get one. Picked. That's the one they picked for me. <laughs> Wait, so, okay. What does it do, though? Um, there's certain spots in Harry Potter world where they have, like, a little sensor thing. Mm-hmm. And you have to have a specific wand style that they have there that has a little sensor in the tip. Mm-hmm. It doesn't light up, which would be cool. It does not, though. It's just, like, a little whatever. And you have to, like, point it at the sensor. And you're supposed to, like, do the little thing. Like, there's, like, little, um, in the little map thing. And it shows you, like, do it this way. Or, like, make a four. Mm-hmm. With your staff. Or wand. Whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> Can't even So talk. how much is one of those wands? It's fucking expensive. I think it's, like, $30. That's actually not terrible. When I went there. That was, like, in college. Oh, fuck. That was ten years ago. Oh, not yet. God. I mean, a I while was, ago. I was in high school ten years ago. I I just realized that... Graduated high school ten years yeah, ago. Yeah. We, I graduated... I was at this party with... Um, It was this guy that I work with, this yeah. co-worker of mine, Jonathan. It was his uh, uh 25th birthday, was it? Yeah. Um, But yeah. So he had like a lot of people there. And one person he had there was his cousin uh, who just turned 21. I didn't realize a baby. he had a literal baby at his fucking party, which is, I mean, okay. Cause she's drinking age. Like as long as she's drinking age, right, yeah. like I don't care. Yeah. So I was like talking to her, you know, just shooting the shit, chatting and whatever, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just start talking about, I didn't realize from her face yeah, how old she was. Yeah. She didn't realize how old I was. So we're sitting there and then I was talking about, it. I was like, yeah, I was like, I can't believe, you know, I was like, they're planning my, my high school reunion, my 10-year high school reunion. I was like, fuck that shit. I'm yeah. not fucking going to that. Right, no. And then she was literally like, oh, yeah. I mean, I only graduated like two, three years ago. I was like, Yeet. <laughs> I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> and I walked, I got up, and I was like, I gotta get another drink. <laughs> and then I like didn't go back to that section of the party. Oh, my God. And I like literally just found a comfy spot on the floor and sat crisscross applesauce and stayed on my phone and drank by myself. Oh, no. I felt hurt. And, I mean, I found other cool people who were of age, but I was definitely one of the oldest people there. And it was nonsense. I just have to say, it was fucking nonsense. (laughs) Oh, that's a thing that you and I never really dealt with, is, like, being the oldest people around. Like, usually we're, like, the youngest people around. I know! <laughs> I know. Oh, God. And, like, even Stephen was, like, because um, Stephen just turned 28, you know, so he yeah. graduated a year before me. Right. Um, in high school. And he was, like, I was always the baby of my grade, because he's, like, I have an October birthday. And I was, like, mm-hmm. bitch, I got a December birthday. I was, like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to hear it. Well, my mom almost held me and my brother back. Like, I'm glad she didn't, but... I think, honestly, it might have benefited my life. But, like, my older brother was only a year older and some change. He's only 14 months older. Right. So it's like... Or not even. He's only only 12 months older. Yeah. So it's like... I didn't really want to... 
you know, mm-hmm. we were so similar in age. It's like if there mm-hmm. was two years difference in our schooling, he would have been like, I am so superior to you. Right. Yeah. And then I would have been closer to my little brother who is two years behind me in school because he's yeah. literally two years younger than me. Right. Yeah. So I've been like weird. I'm in a weird spot. You are. Yeah. And I just am trapped between two fucking awful brothers. <laughs> Punch them both. Same time. Got two hands, bitch. I don't think I ever met your brothers. No, because they live in Rhode Island. Yeah, no. Well, one of they, them does. They came down, one of them came down to visit. Both of them came down to visit. Oh, yeah, and I didn't get to meet them. Yeah, because they suck. Because I would have punched them in the face. Mm, probably. <laughs> I actually don't know if... Yeah, I worked at Big Yeah, Frog. yeah, you did. Because that was 2018 to 2019, so... Yeah. They came down May 2019. Yeah, something like that. 2018. Whoops. Um, Some, something like that. Yeah. Anyway. We, we hung out. Yeah. Had a good time. They uh, borrowed my fucking car. I asked them to give me an oil change because they was driving to and from Orlando almost every single day. Yeah, I remember that. And they decided not to do that. Yeah. And I was like, fuck you guys. Like, you, cr- like, literally my older brother just decided to come and crash. Mm-hmm. I knew my brother was bringing himself and a friend. Turns out he was bringing another friend. <laughs> another friend. So then my older brother shows up. Oh so I have a studio fucking apartment. And they ended up sleeping on mattresses and, like, being extremely uncomfortable. And I was like, why did you guys decide to do this? Like. Just for giggles. Like. That's. You can't just crash in my fucking studio apartment and expect that everything's going to be hunky-dory. Like, first of all... Not enough space. Not enough space. I don't know. It yeah. was it was a fucking shit show. Yeah. I'm glad that they didn't stay <laughs> very long. Yeah. But also, like, fuck you, bitch, you owe me an oil change. Yeah. Do they still owe you that oil change? They fucking do. They do. We're going to hit them. Punch them in their face. Yeah. Say I won't, I will. <laughs> I'll fucking do it. I mean, my my younger brother does know, um, he studies Wing Chun. Oh, good for him. It's like a type of kung fu. Yeah, good for him. And he's, like, apparently pretty good at it, but, like, don't let me catch these hands. Because <laughs> I will. <laughs> Anyways. All right. Let's wrap this shit up. We're going to be at an hour and a half here. Bye, guys. Later, skaters. Fuck you, Beanley. <laughs> And the podcast. What are you doing, Jocelyn? <laughs>